Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Let's get moving with Maria. Inspiration to spend a few minutes each day to get moving on the small things that can make a big difference in your life. And today on Let's Get Moving, I'm at Intermount Medical Center, and with me is outpatient dietitian Allie Spencer. And it's that time of year, Valentine's Day is upon us. And it's also a time of year we're stuck in the house and there's a lot of stressful activities and there's a lot of emotional eating going on. So let's just take a minute and talk about how do we prevent ourselves from eating to make ourselves feel better as a comfort? So that's, a, I think, a really complicated question. And the thing I like to define first is what emotional eating is. And emotional eating is eating for any reason other than for hunger. And so I think the really key thing to controlling your emotional eating is deciding why you are eating in the first place, you know, whether it's for comfort or whether it's for another reason. Okay, so what are the steps people would go through to determine that? Okay, so there's a couple things. So first of all, is you have to be more mindful. Um, what I encourage people to do is every single time that you're eating to take a, a time to um, to stop, to do a check-in, right? A self-evaluation to say, am I hungry? What am I feeling? What's going on right now? Why am I reaching this food? Because so many times we're stuck on autopilot. We're just doing things. We're eating things because it's there, because we see a cue. There's all these things that can be playing into it that we may not even realize if we're not taking that time to step back and evaluate ourselves. I am an emotional eater. I think there are times when I feel stressed and I will just reach for something to make myself feel better, whether it's ice cream or chips or whatever it is. But then I've noticed I feel so much worse after I've done that. I mean, I get that momentary gratification, but after the effect has just been compounded, the negative effect. Oh, I think completely. And I think that's the hard part with emotional eating is because it definitely serves a purpose. It's serving us. It, there, it provides us some utility. That yes, eating food makes us feel better. We know there's scientific research that has shown us that eating sugar in particular and fat sends off these chemical pathways in our brain. So we literally feel better, but it's short-lived. And then a lot of times it compounds because we think, why did I do that? What was I thinking? And then the guilt um, just compounds. And sometimes we eat more than we want to when we feel physically sick too. So once we've determined that that's what it is and that we're emotional eating for stress or whatever it is, then how do we go about combating that? Okay. So the first thing, though, is you've got to be able to distinguish between physical hunger and mental hunger. So because the pro this is where it gets really muddy and complicated, it's because sometimes physical hunger leads into emotional eating. We may be, you may be hungry and you're also feeling stressed. And so because you're stressed and you're hungry, you're making a doubly poor choice as far as food goes because we don't make smart decisions when we're hungry and you're feeling stressed and you're wanting to reach for those comfort foods that are going to make you feel better. Um, so the first step is I say recognize what physical hunger feels like because a lot of times we don't know. We know what extreme hunger feels like but we don't know what um, minor or um, less extreme hunger would be. So what is that? Okay. It's different for everybody. You know that we can recognize um, that when our stomach is growling but learning cues that maybe we're thinking about food or we're having difficulty concentrating or we're feeling tired or we're having memory issues. All of those things could cue you in that you may be hunger, hungry. So you take a step, 
and you rate your hunger on a scale of one to five, how hungry are you? With one being so starving and five being not hungry at all, okay? And then if you recognize that it's not, uh, it's not physical hunger, then you need to say, okay, what's going on emotionally? So whether you recognize, oh, I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling bored or I have anxiety, you know, that you're thinking about all these things emotionally or even physically, Are you feeling tired? Are your eyes heavy? Is your back sore? Are you in pain? Because all of these things could be influencing you what to eat. So at that point when you're recognizing, okay, it's not physical hunger, it's mental or emotional hunger, then you need to decide what is it that I really need. And really we, when we're looking at what you really need, it's divided up into um, different domains almost where we can nurture ourselves, right? Um, We can distract ourselves. Or we can um, think about sitting with those emotions and dealing. We we have to deal with it. So we nurture, we distract, or we deal with it, okay? So if you're thinking about feeling stressed, um, thinking along the lines of nurturing, distracting, or dealing with it, how can you, you know, you're using food to, to deal with your stress. So what's a different way that you can deal with your stress? What is it that you really need in that situation? And that's going to be different for everybody. Um, I am a self-admitted stress eater as well. And one of the things that helps me is I create a to-do list and that makes my stress tangible. And all of a sudden I have a plan and I know what it can do. And so what you have to do is come up with a plan for yourself. So for you, and I, I think I've done this too, like I try to focus on the, mo- the thing I need to do first. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and however somebody else manages their stress is totally up to them, but you've got to think, what is it that I really need? When you are eating to manage your stress, um, you need a way to relieve your stress. So whether it's coming up with a to-do list or thinking of what is it that needs to be done the most, what's the most important, or maybe it's taking a bubble bath. Maybe it's um, going for a run. Maybe it's punching a punching bag or um, writing in your journal. Maybe it's talking to a therapist that it's going to be different for everybody but you've got to decide what's a way that you can relieve your stress and other than with food and really when you start thinking about that that works for all types of emotional eating of getting to the the crux of it is what is it that I really need and what can I do to change this we've talked about mindfulness before and I think the thing that is difficult about mindfulness is that we are running from one thing to another we're rushing to get the kids ready for school in the morning, then we're off to work, and then we have to get dinner ready at the end of the day, and there's always something that we're doing. Is In your mind, is there a, a way to really just step back for a second and get in touch with what you are actually feeling? And I, I think you bring up a really good point because food is so, even though food a lot of times is what drives us, it a lot of times is also an afterthought because we have so many things going on. And I really believe in taking a... 30-second timeout before you eat. Every single time that you're going to eat, just take 30 seconds. We all have 30 seconds just to do a self-evaluation where you look at, okay, mental, physical, and emotional. What is going on? What's leading you to this hunger? Because we all have that time just to take that quick timeout. And it takes practice to get into that habit, but I think that everyone has 30 seconds. I think you're absolutely right. Just making that habit of thinking about why you're eating before. But I know there were going to be people who hear this podcast and think, They're hearing it now because they've made the other choice and they have done the emotional eating and they feel bad. So once they've done that, there's still that, that you can still take that time and analyze what happened. So you don't redo it. Right, exactly. So one of the tools that I think can help with the timeout and also with that evaluation afterwards is to think about tracking your intake. 
and not necessarily tracking your intake for calories, but for emotions and for feelings. So if you think that you're struggling with emotional eating, maybe what you do is you write down um, what you're eating, but you write down what you're feeling in that timeout. So you take the 30 seconds and you write down, okay, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling tired. Maybe you're not feeling anything. I'm just really hungry. You write down those emotions, you write down what you eat, and then you write down what you feel afterwards. And so having that, that physical component of writing it down can almost force you to do it, and it gives you that physical cue to do it again. Um, but I definitely think that no matter what you do, you've got to learn, use every eating occasion, every misstep or every, um, you know, lapse of judgment, if you will, as a learning experience. Because we can't, if we don't learn from our experiences, we're going to keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And I think you brought up a great point earlier where with stress eating, you feel really bad afterwards. And learning from our mistakes is a way that we can heal from that and not necessarily feel so guilty because we're coming up with a plan going forward. And it can actually be a really positive time too. Right. The one thing about guilt, though, I think it makes us feel like we're alone. Why can't I get this under control? I mean, how come everybody else can do it and I can't do it? But that's really not the reality, is it? I mean, isn't this a problem many, many people face? Oh, I would say most, if mostly all. if everybody experiences emotional eating to a certain degree, because emotional eating is eating for any reason other than hunger. You know, that we're looking at some of these emotions of stress or sadness, right? But um, even just eating because food tastes good. So if you're at a restaurant and it's like, oh, I'm full, but this tastes, this pasta tastes really good and you keep going, you're emotionally eating. And so I think everybody has a certain degree of emotional eating. And so you're not alone and you, you know, but I do think that that guilt makes us a lot of times lead into even more eating that sometimes we end up eating for punishment. Like, well, I've already, I've already blown it. Why not continue to go? I might as well just finish the ice cream if I've already had three cups of it. And so I think that that's a really hard spot to be in. Um, and that's why I think that learning from our mistakes is really helpful. So you say, okay, what did I learn from this scenario? I, I'm just going to use ice cream as an example. I ate three bowls of ice cream, and that was not my intent. What led up to it? You know, um, are there certain I'm – I'm a big fan of behavior mapping, but are there certain um, – external cues that influenced it, right? Was it my state of mind? Was it my favorite kind of ice cream? Was it that I saw a commercial? What are all the things that played into it? What was it that I think was unique about the situation and what can I do in the future so that I'm not feeling that way? And the one that I just thought of is reward. You're exhausted at the end of the day and you think, you know what, I deserve it sometimes. Yes, yes especially we've been trying to watch what we eat. It's like, oh, this is my cheat day. I have earned this. And I really strongly encourage people to get away from using food as reward. But so at the end of the long day, yes, having dessert, having some comfort food is rewarding, right, mentally especially. But getting away from that and thinking what's something physically rewarding. How can you, and this goes to the nurturing, how do you nurture yourself? Can you, um, could you convince someone to give you a, a back massage? Could you take a bubble bath? Maybe it's just going to bed earlier or taking time to read a book. But sometimes learning to pamper yourself in that way can take the place of that, that eating. But denying yourself something that you've been absolutely wanting is probably not the best way either. Denying completely. How about, for example, like my family likes to have ice cream before bed. So I can't do that because the minute I do that, I start gaining weight. There's just no doubt about it. But I started like, well, I can have a teaspoon of ice cream and just so that's having it for me. Like if I can just taste the ice cream, I'm good. I'm sure there are some people who can't do that. They just want the whole bowl. Yeah, 
Well, I think you bring up a really good point that that sometimes we we can some people can say, you know what, I'm just going to forego ice cream completely. That's okay. But most people can't do that. And so you've got to look at it. So I'm a big, big fan of individual portion sizes. So you can you're doing great if you can do one teaspoon. But for a lot of people, if they just take one teaspoon out of the container, they're going to keep going. It's opening Pandora's box, right. right? It's really hard to stop. And so think about buying something that's already coming pre-portioned. So maybe what you do is you buy those individual ice cream cups that come in the half cup serving or a fruit popsicle or an ice cream sandwich. You know that's something that's portion controlled it already comes in a unit so that you're not having to scoop it out of your out of the big container yourself somebody already did the work for you you stick to your one ice cream you have that and you enjoy it and you go from there and it takes the gill out of it because that was the amount that you allotted that was okay yeah i say plan for it you know if you know if your family eats ice cream every night for dinner and that's something you can't or not for dinner um, for, <laughs> or maybe it might for be for dinner. <laughs> um, but if you're having that after dinner, just plan for it. And that's the thing I think that people run into is if you know emotional eating is going to happen, plan for it. Make it part of your routine and adjust for it elsewhere. You know that that you have when you plan for it, then you're not going to feel as guilty. And when you have that pre pre portioned amount, you're not going to feel as guilty because it's not something that you did that you didn't want to do in essence. Allie, anything else about emotional eating that you wanted to add? No, I would just say that with emotional eating is it's emotional eating. If you're an emotional eater, you've been doing this for years. So you cannot expect you to make changes overnight. This is going to be a gradual process and you have to be really uh, gentle with yourself. You're not doing yourself any favors if you beat yourself up for, for emotional eating. And so just work on it one step at a time and continue to work on that mindfulness piece that's really important. All right. Thank you. Thank you.